This morning we're going to read a couple of scriptures together. Uh, both of them are, are from uh, Paul's letters to, uh, to the churches. The first is in 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, and then we'll uh, jump over to Galatians. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there, uh, particularly to the 2 Corinthians text. If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen uh, as we together uh, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, beginning in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. But if I, Paul, wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, that is boasting, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he, that is God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For, whatever I, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Then we're going to jump over together to uh, Galatians. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We're going to be in chapter 6. Uh, we'll be reading verse, uh, verse 2. The Word of God says, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do come before you with praise and thanksgiving for your holy word, for the wisdom that is contained therein. We ask, O oh God, that you would be present with us as we reflect on your word. Lord, help us to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Help us to be uh, convicted uh, of your love, and of our response, of the appropriate response that you call forth from us to it. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, and indeed your ultimate will, open our hearts that we would feel its power, the power of your word. And then by your grace we ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands that we might offer grace to the world. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. In 2008, uh, I was just uh, a third year uh, pastor. I was in uh, Bryan College Station, just uh, actually second, years, second year in my ministry there at St. Luke's United Methodist Church uh, after a year as an associate in Houston. And so, uh, young pastor, uh, two young kids. Uh, 
marriage just uh, six years old at the time. I'm a, I had a buddy named Daniel who came to me and said, hey, can we get lunch sometime? And so I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. Uh, we met up. He, he was in Houston. I was in College Station. So I took that as an excuse to drive to Houston and eat uh, in Houston. And so we sat together over lunch and, uh, and he said, uh, man, this ministry thing is hard. Uh, I said, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, he said, you know, marriage isn't that easy either. I said, yep. <laughs> and um, we began praying together that day about doing something that neither one of us had done before, uh, which was establishing a covenant group, uh, a group of, uh, of men, a group of pastors uh, that would covenant together with one another, make promises together with one another about how we would do life together. Uh, how we would hold one another accountable, how we would uh, support each other. And um, we, we made three particular commitments that each time we met, and we would meet once a month, uh, each time we met we would ask each other and, and, uh, and, and really focus with one another on uh, our family lives and how we were being faithful to our families uh, on our ministries and how we were being faithful to the call that God has laid upon our lives. And, and then um, our personal holiness, our holiness of heart and life and how uh, we were being faithful uh, to holiness and our love relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we gathered together a couple of other pastors. There ended up being five of us and uh, and. And uh, now it's grown to seven of us, and we've been meeting once a month ever since 2008. And, and what's, what's, what's amazing is, as I look back uh, at the kids that have been born, the ministry challenges that have been faced, the ministry, ministry transitions that have taken place, uh, the, the personal spiritual challenges that have been faced amongst all of the members of the group, me included, uh, I'm very, very clear that I wouldn't be where I am today was it not for that group. Uh, my marriage wouldn't be where it is today or not for that group. My sustaining life of ministry wouldn't be possible were it not for that group. And my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ has been at times over the last uh, over the last 10 plus years now has wavered and were it not for the strength that I have surrounded myself with with spiritual accountability my commitment to Christ and his call in my life would have wavered and maybe even broken I think about what that covenant group has meant to me and it's meant vulnerability. It's meant uh, honesty about weakness. It's actually even meant uh, creating space for truth-telling that I didn't have anywhere else in my life. I think vulnerability is, 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 a, 
is, is a powerful gift that God has given us that we today uh, most commonly reject because uh, we don't like to feel weak. We like to feel strong. And so we, we could powerfully relate to Paul in that, right? Well, fast forward a little bit in 2011, uh, Lauren and I had uh, re- received word that, that, that God was, was going to be leading us to this community to plant this church. And so one of the things that Lauren and I did was we, we went and we visited some, some churches in the area because we wanted to understand what the Christian culture was that we were entering into. We wanted to experience uh, uh, building relationships with some of the other, plant, uh, some of the other pastors in the area. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, uh, we experienced some powerful uh, worship services together uh, around this community. Uh, powerful, uh, powerful music, powerful movement of the Holy Spirit, powerful preaching, and all of that was much to be celebrated. But as we reflected back on our times in those, uh, in those churches, one, one thing that, that stuck out to us, because what we're praying about, God, who do you want us to be in this community? What, what church do you want to be planted in this community? One of the things that, that stuck out to us was... Um, uh, while the, the, the movement of the, of the Spirit was powerful in our lives, we left most often feeling anonymous. Uh, it was our experience that as we, as we engaged in other ministries, uh, we would enter in and it would be dark or it would be large and we would feel like a number in the crowd or we would feel like we, we came unknown and we left unknown. And so we began to, be, to pray with one another. What does that mean? What does that experience, that feeling mean to be lost in the crowd, to be, uh, to be unaccounted for, to be unknown, to be anonymous? And, and, and I even talked with one of, the, uh, one of the lead pastors in the area, and they actually said, well, that's by, by design. It's actually strategic. We're strategically anonymous because we want people to feel safe to come in and, to, and, and to, to be unknown because a lot of people need that or desire that. And so I said, wow, so if you're strategically designing for anonymity, maybe, uh, maybe what God is calling us to is to strategically des- design for the opposite. Uh, may- maybe God is raising up a-, a-, a balance in the community of ministry where-, where, there's- where there's both a space for anonymity for those that need it, but then there's also a space for being known and being in relationship for those that need that. And so... Uh, so as we continue to reflect together, we, we, we were looking at what, what does that mean? Uh, because as a church grows, it's, it's somewhat impossible uh, to know everybody. You know, it's, it's not like you're, you're uh, building a, a family-sized church uh, that has a cemetery out in the back that, you know, 13 generations have gone to. Uh, you, know, you, you know the churches I'm talking about, right? Like, like they're all over the place. Where... Uh, where one or two or three families have kept this, this church going for generations. I said, it's not like that's what we're building. So how do you, what, what is the balance? And so one of the things that I talked from the very beginning about is that we, we wouldn't be a place where everybody knows everyone, but we would be a place uh, where everybody is known. You see the nuance there? Uh, my prayer is, my conviction is, that that has been cultivated into the very identity of our church together 
so that even as we move into the building and even as we move into multiple services and even as we continue to welcome more and more guests to the community, even as we connect more and more into the life-giving grace of Jesus Christ through the ministry of the church, uh, still yet we would always be a place where even though everyone doesn't know everyone, everyone is known. So as we prayed about that and we, we, we worked through that, I realized that, that, that knowing everyone, the threat to that is that everybody ends up in a relationship where they might at some point uh, be vulnerable. Right? Like the desire for anonymity is the desire to not be vulnerable. The desire for not being known is so that no one has to know your business. Uh, right? Uh, and so, and so if, if people are known, then someone at some point might know your business. They might know when, when, uh, when, when you have to have a surgery. They might know when you lose a job. They might know when you get sick. They might know when you're in pain. They might start knowing your business. And so then, like, how does that play out? And so then that drew me back to my covenant group. And it really in large part, was the root of how covenant became covenant as a church. Because uh, my covenant group was a space in which people made promises to one another to honor their promises that they've made to God. And covenant is, in you know, truest definition, a sacred promise. And so we, 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 we named the church covenant and said, all right, this is going to be, be a people that, 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 that promised a journey together alongside of one another. And, and in so doing, we're going to honor our promises to God. We're going to be connected to one another in, in, in ways that uh, at times might be uncomfortable. Uh, everybody isn't going to have to know everyone, but everybody is going to be known. And if everybody is known, then at some point, I pray that everybody has a space to celebrate what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. You see, what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians is, is he, he's testifying to a church, and, and he's testifying to a church that, that, that he has significant influence over, that, that he has been a part of planting, and, and he has written back to them about their flaws, about their mistakes. 1 Corinthians is, 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 is littered with, with Paul teaching about, hey, remember when I was with you? Uh, you forgot that. You got that thing wrong. You need to fix that over there. And so to a certain extent, uh, that congregation, that group of people revered Paul in such a way where, where Paul knew that, that he could go to that church and he could boast and he could lift himself up and say, hey, I am the example that you should be following. I am the one that you should be looking to uh, just as you did when I was there. I need you to do it now so you can get your stuff straight. But, but Paul takes this moment in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as he's coming to close the end of this letter. He wants to be sure that people are clear. People are clear that it's, that it's really not about him. Right? And I love that this, this moment of, of, of clarity that he brings to the people. He says, he says brothers and sisters, um, I could boast. And you would allow me to boast because of the ministry we shared in together. 
but I'm not going to boast. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to tell you about all of my weaknesses. I'm not just going to tell you about uh, my weaknesses uh, that, that have been afflicted upon me, about my persecution, about the beatings that I've endured, about my imprisonments. What I'm also going to do is I'm going to tell you uh, uh, something personal. I'm going to tell you that I have uh, a sin, a torment of sin that is a thorn in my side. I have uh, this 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 temptation that I cannot be released from, and, and it drives me mad. Maybe you know of a sin like this in your own life. I absolutely do, and, and, and Paul says it's a thorn in my side, and here's what Paul did. Paul went to God, uh, and, and he actually numbers it. He says, three different times I prayed to God. He said, he said I went to God on three different occasions, and I, say, I said, God, I need you to remove this temptation from me. I need to, you to remove this desire to sin from me. Uh, because I, I want to be cleansed from it. I don't even want to think about it, much less actually act on said temptation. I want to be free from it. And, and Paul doesn't go into what it is, and I'm actually thankful he doesn't. I'm thankful that Paul didn't because it allows each of us to enter in to his story because each of us have a thorn as well. And if Paul would have named that thorn, if Paul would have named the thorn of, of lying or of cheating or of lust, uh, then, then all we would be doing is fixating on that one thing and we wouldn't be able to enter into the story unless that was our, our similar temptation as well. And so I'm thankful that he did that. And so Paul goes to the people and he says, I have this temptation, this bent to sin in my life. I've gone to God three times. I've asked God to release me from it. And God has given me a very specific and direct word back. No. Say, what, God? I'm coming to you. I'm asking you would release me from this temptation. This, this bent to sin, I want to be free from it. And you tell me no. And what, and what we hear is that, that, that God tells Paul, I've given you that bent to sin not so that you might sin, but so that I would be glorified in the grace that I offer you. Like, I'm going to be shown as strong in your weakness. Like the, the, the more weak you are, the more strong I am. Uh, and as you experience that strength, that strength of transformation that comes from grace, know that is me being glorified. And so no, I'm not going to free you from it because in your weakness, I am glorified and the world knows of my grace. I'm also thankful that Paul closes that section um, by not singularly focusing on sin. Uh, sin is a weakness that is a part of the fall of humanity and is in each and every one of our lives. Romans 3.23, Romans 3, for all, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have 
sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But Paul acknowledges that weakness isn't singularly sin, that weakness is more than that. As he closes in verse 10, he, he says, so now I'm content. I'm content uh, with this thorn of temptation. I'm content in my weakness because I want God to receive the glory. And here, here's all of the weaknesses. I'm content in my weaknesses. I'm content in my insults. I'm content in my hardships. I'm content in my persecutions. I'm content, content in my calamities because it's all, it's all for the sake of Christ. Whenever I am weak, now I am strong and God receives the glory. What a gift that is for us individually, but what a gift it is for our community. You know, we live in a community where everything looks really, really nice on the outside, right? Uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, uh, things look nice around here. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there like like little manicured little sidewalks and like if you could see the sidewalk they plant some trees so that soon you won't be able to see the sidewalks and then the sidewalks are just surrounded by trees so when you're walking or running on the sidewalks you feel like you've just entered into the wilderness it's 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 a really interesting place we live um and there's such beauty in it right it's uh we moved here for a reason because it, it th- there's a comfort there's a beauty, there's a consistency, uh, there's a value to all of that. But one of the things it does, as, 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 you, as you look at the beauty all around, is it masks this, uh, this pain or this loss, and it makes you think that everything is perfect on the inside because it looks perfect on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if, if, if everything looks so nice, so manicured, and the long guy comes once a week, and, and like, like the power washer dude comes once a quarter, and everything, and, and like the, the cars are in the garage, and we even can have four car garages to get all the kids' cars in the garage, so you can't even see them, and everything looks really good, right? Everything looks great. If everything looks great, then nothing's going on inside. And so, you know what that tells everybody? I am strong. It doesn't say anything about weakness. It says it's all good. Nothing's wrong here. There's nothing to see here, right? And you know, I, I've, Lauren and I moved here in June of 2011. And over and over again, I have been struck, surprised by things that have been going on on the inside because on the outside, I would have never guessed. There's pain in our community. There's isolation in our community. There's loss in our community. There's abuse in our community. There's brokenness in our community. But all anyone thinks is there is strength in our community. Because no one will confess to the weakness that is in our community. Did you catch it last year? Um, In July, the Chronicle ran a story about the Woodlands. 
And I know our, our mission field is, is not singularly the woodlands, but, but I think it's a reflection of the region in which uh, uh, we live and we serve. So uh, not just Creekside, but all that's around us. And so there was an article that caught my attention in the Chronicle, uh, and it was about the suicide rates in the woodlands. Did y'all read that? There's actually even a parallel. There was a, a three-week uh, three um, series in The Villager that was on it as well. And it accounts a story. It accounts a story that the board of directors of the Woodlands uh, Township was meeting, and it was January of 2018, so a year ago. And uh, and and the police report came in, and they just were giving the kind of annual. This is crime rates, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. And Ann Snyder, who's on the board, uh, raised her hand and said, "Is this right?" And she directed everybody's attention to the suicide rates or attempted suicide rates in the woodlands. And it accounted for, uh, in 2017, the number of police reported, not just happened, but police reported suicide attempts or suicides in the woodlands had tripled from 2017 to 2000, to 2016 to 2017. And the police reported number in 2017 was 80. Well, the board of directors, they continue to monitor this. And as, as of the running of the Chronicle in, uh, in July, uh, through six months, the Woodlands was on track to eclipse that number by far the Woodlands was on track to have, in 2018, 118 suicide attempts or suicides. Police reported. Like, not just the stuff that happens that doesn't get reported. Like, the things that actually got, like, police, like, show up at the house reported. But there's nothing to see here. Right? There's nothing to see here. Everything's all good. Everybody's good. It's all good. But then on the inside, pain, loss, tragedy, weakness. Um, there was a counselor, a licensed counselor in the Woodlands that was, that was quoted in the Chronicle article. And, uh, and, and in her quotes... Um, uh, there, there's a few things that I think are, are really powerful. She says, uh, it's the isolation that causes suicidal thoughts. Uh, her name is uh, Christine Story. She said, the thought that nothing is going to get better is compounded by the isolation. When people feel like they don't have anywhere to turn, that is when the problem worsens. Uh, if you know someone that seems depressed, I suggest just ask that person if they're okay. And in your asking, you are creating prevention. Doesn't that seem like overly simplistic? Like seeing someone that might be experiencing some pain and just checking in with them? She says, the important thing to note is, uh, is that at, we as a community do not 
need to be affected by suicide because suicide is 100% preventable. I think it's safe to say that the prevention is in relationship. The prevention is in vulnerable relationship where people share with one another in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. I look out on you this morning and I give God glory because I see your weaknesses. I praise God that you are weak. And I pray all the more that you would be able to be weak with one another. Because in your weakness, God is strong. May he receive the glory. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I give you thanks for... um, for the gift of, of our weaknesses. Um, that, that we aren't alone in them. That each and every one of us are weak. Um, even when we don't let people see it. Even when we, uh, when we strategically hide it. Even when uh, we hold back. Um, Lord, we each have experienced pain and loss, tragedy, torment, temptation, bent to sin. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that I ask that you would allow us to pray a prayer that is uniquely different than what we might commonly pray. Rather than letting us pray a prayer that says, take it from me, Lord, We pray that you would transform that weakness into strength for the sake of your gospel. Lord, we we ask that uh, as we continue in worship uh, and we enter into this time of holy offering, that you would be present in this offering, that that all that is done in this time uh, would be to your glory, to your honor. Uh, Lord, that the ministry of your church uh, would have a transforming effect on this community and this world. We pray it all. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.